and welcome back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spratt, a writer for FootballOutsiders.com. Week two included a ton of injuries that are going to affect your waiver wire decision making entering week three. And I recommend you check out my waiver wire article that's up on FootballOutsiders.com this Tuesday morning. But for today's episode of the podcast, I'm bringing in Jeff Ratcliffe of FTN Fantasy and former editor of mine back in my pro football focus days to hit on the six most interesting waiver ads for week three. Okay, I'm joined on today's episode by Jeff Ratcliffe, a fantasy writer for FTN Fantasy and general multimedia star. Jeff, how are you today? Thanks so much for joining the show. You're too kind, Scott. Too kind. <laughs> um, I'm quite well. You know, it's not the best um, best Monday ever or you no. know, beginning of the week for fantasy football after all the carnage yesterday. But, uh, you know, hey, if there is a silver lining for all the injuries, there's opportunities for other players to step up. So, you know, at least we can say that it's not fun if you have Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, et cetera, but at least there is that. It's, it's definitely true. And there's going to be a lot more waiver wire things you could consider for this week than, than Jeff and I are going to be able to cover this, uh, this episode. We're just going to play the same game we played last week. Well, he'll offer three potential waiver wire guys. Most interesting to him. I'll give three for me and we'll react to each other. But uh, later on, I'll let Jeff tell you where you can find all of his work and pick up some of his more expansive waiver advice, and I'll do the same for me as well. But Jeff, since you're the guest, why don't you get us started for your most interesting waiver wire pick for this week? I think it's going to be another running back week, and hopefully it isn't a disappointing week for everybody who went out and picked up Malcolm Brown or Naeem Hines. Uh, not not exactly what you wanted to see when you saw, you know, Daryl Henderson going off, which, hey, by the way, that Browns backfield is just, wow, a <laughs> headache. So it's not going to be Daryl Henderson. And Naeem Hines, of course, frustrated when you see Jonathan Taylor. But I- I'm going to go with Joshua Kelly. You know, I was actually really happy to see him really seize that opportunity in that backfield with Justin Jackson hurt. And then in this contest, which was one of the the most surprising games of the week, I was waiting for Justin Herbert to go out, go out there and be the starter. I said it was going to take – I set the over-under at four and a half weeks, and it was obviously way under, but circumstances, whatever, aside, mm. he seemed to be better for that offense. And this is an offense that does want to run the football. This is an offense that did sustain two very viable – uh, running back fantasy options last year in Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. So I think there's meat, plenty of meat on the bone. This isn't just a an anomaly here. They they really ran a lot in week one as well. So I think that, you know, going forward, Joshua Kelly is going to be at least in the flex mix, if not better. And if you're in a situation where you just lost one of these guys, you you pretty much you need that. You you don't need yeah. a guy to stash on your bench. You need a guy who you can probably plug in at least as a flex. So I really like Kelly as as the top uh, running back ad for me this week. You know, I think I underrated Kelly after week one. My concern was that he was just going to be a touchdown scorer, and he does look like he's going to score touchdowns. He has 1.81 opportunity adjusted rushing touchdowns through two weeks, which is top 10 at the position. But I wasn't sure he was going to contribute in the same way as a receiver, Jeff, but he had two catches for 49 yards on three targets this week. And if he does even that every week, he absolutely could be a running back too. Do you see him as being a receiving impact kind of player and maybe could step into that full Melvin Gordon role from a year ago? I think he can be a, an impact player in the receiving game. I think the really the big difference maker, and this was the thing that, you know, I don't even, I wouldn't even say we overlooked it. It was just when Anthony Lynn came out last week and said, oh yeah, well, Terod Taylor's not going to check it down. It's like, 
Yeah, that's probably right. <laughs> There's a reason why he's she's targeting Mike Williams a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And and now with Herbert, I, I really think this is Herbert's job now. I, regardless of Terod Taylor's health, you don't go out there and push the defending Super Bowl champs, widely uh considered the best team in the league, to the end there and almost yeah. sneak it out. Almost very close sneak out a win against them. And lose, or not lose, but go back to the bench. I think the genie's out of the bottle. And that does mean better things for uh, those running backs in the passing game. And if you add that little bit extra, you know, it doesn't have to be much, Scott. You know, two or three catches a game is big for fantasy today, especially because, you know, most people are in at least half point PPR. So yeah, I I do buy in on it and you know, I like I like the talent. He was a kid when I was out at the combine in February that a lot of people were quietly talking about, "Hey, this Joshua Kelly, he's a good kid. He's you know, he's better a better athlete than a lot of people realize and he's going to impress." And you know, I think Los Los Angeles did a nice job in identifying that and they have something nice on their hands here. I agree completely. I'm going to go uh, a little bit cheating with my first pick here and check Antonio Gibson, the running back for the Washington football team. He's pushing 80% owned in, in most fantasy leagues, so he may not be available in all of your leagues. But given how Washington has sort of split the workload over the first two weeks, week one was more of a Peyton Barber game. Week two was kind of a split between Gibson and J.D. McKissick. Maybe people will be dropping him too. And I suggest that you don't do that, but instead make Gibson a priority to get on your teams. And to me, it's, it's based on this interesting split that I've discovered over the first two weeks. When Washington has been trailing, Gibson has 18 carries versus 10 for McKissick versus just eight for Peyton Barber. But when Washington is leading or tied, Barber leads that set with 10 carries versus just four for Gibson and one for McKissick. And given... Gibson's receiving abilities, he actually had more receptions than rushing attempts back in college at Memphis. He could definitely be a player that's on the field a lot when Washington's trailing in games. And as much as I like the defensive improvements that they teased in week one with eight sacks of Carson Wentz, I'm not sure Washington's going to be leading a lot in a lot of games this season, and that could lead to a lot of fantasy opportunities for Gibson. Do you see something similar, Jeff, uh, in your view of things? Yeah, and I, I got to say that touchdown run was was really impressive uh, out of Gibson in week two here. You know, we we kind of knew Peyton Barber wasn't going to be much. He's Peyton Barber. You The book yeah. is officially <laughs> written on him, and everybody's read it to cover, co- cover to cover. It's not a lengthy read, and we, we know what he is. Whereas with Gibson, you do have that upside. And, you know, you mentioned his usage in the, at the college level, which is – is really is something, you know, a kid who doesn't even have 80 touches in his final year at the college level. And now here he is. And, you know, I think that's where our expectations needed to meet reality a little bit. People who are just sort of coming into it, usually in, in July and August in terms of fantasy football draft season, mm-hmm. they get this little list of rookies. They say, oh, this Antonio Gibson, everybody's talking about him. I got to get him. And then they have no clue who he is, you know. Definitely. He's a freak from an athletic standpoint. You you can't teach the size and speed that he has. He is a little raw, but at, in, in, at the same time, he is a little bit of early career David Johnson. You know, we think of David Johnson now because, of course, hindsight, but coming in, David Johnson was a third round pick. He was a guy who could catch the ball out of the backfield, who had NFL size, but was very much unproven and proved himself. Well, I think that we're going to see the same thing here with Gibson. And I agree, you know, it shouldn't be he's available in 20% of leagues or whatever it is. He should be available in like whatever, 1% or, you know, 
it's 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 almost criminal that he's out there in any leagues because you're shooting for upside and and honestly I think there are elements of that Washington team that are that are pretty interesting. I mean, it'll be a little bit of a bumpy ride this season, but if anything, he'll have the game scripts that'll favor him. So I'm I'm 100 with you here. And in fact, I drafted him in a bunch of leagues, so I don't have the problem of worrying about yeah, trying perfect. to pick him up. Well, uh, a lot of fantasy players probably wish they were in your boat, or at least they will within the next few weeks. Okay, hit us with your second choice, most interesting waiver pickup for week three. So the San Francisco backfield is obviously quite potent, and it's a shame because Raheem Mostert has looked phenomenal here over the first two weeks, but the knee injury is going to, it's you know, if it's an MCL sprain like we're, we're hearing, that's going to sideline him for a little bit. So you may have to piecemeal your backfield together for a little while here. So I do think Jarek McKinnon is interesting. Tevin Coleman has a knee injury as well, but did play through it. But I don't always trust when players play through the injury that they're going to make it through to the next week. So we'll keep an eye there. But, you know, if Mostert is out, McKinnon obviously showed us he doesn't even need to touch the ball a whole heck of a lot in that offense. <laughs> Three times put up. Is good, yeah. Yeah, exactly. A whole week's worth of fantasy production, and that's kind of the beauty to that Kyle Shanahan system anyway. So I think if if you're in a pinch, he's certainly flexible, if not better, if somehow Coleman was sidelined as well, then all of a sudden we're talking about McKinnon, you know, really as a serious RB2, if not, you know, RB2 plus for next week. I think that's a really interesting pick there, Jeff. And kind of piggybacking on what you said about not necessarily needing a big workload, last season the 49ers had 13 rushing touchdowns from at least 10 yards away from the end zone. And so far this season, Mostert has taken two very long touches to the house. And I think he had a third that was called back because of a holding penalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, I don't know if you remember that one. But it's like they can score from anywhere on the field, and it seems like a Kyle Shanahan philosophy – and Jarek McKinnon fits into it because he's one of their other running backs with a sub 440 uh, second 40 time from his combine days. So it's another explosive athlete at running back. He just needs the opportunity and he probably can be successful the way that Mostert is. And you know what, what I could say too is here's where it pays to be proactive on the waiver wire. You know, I picked up uh, uh, McKinnon right before week yeah. one. At, at a 1% bid. And then last week, I recommended him at a 5% bid. I'm going to be higher than that. Now, I haven't written it yet, but I'm going to be higher than that. So, you know, I've already made, you know, I, I've already made a big ROI on McKinnon just by being proactive. So if you're proactive, you get out ahead of things. Don't just look at the guys on the top. And in fact, Scott, I think this is a great week as well. If you're not a Saquon or McCaffrey owner, because those two Whoever owns those guys in your league, it is nuclear warfare on waiver wire, <laughs> the waiver wire this week. So you true. could potentially slide in. If you're good at running back, you could slide in and get some guys on the cheap. You know, I got Corey Davis at about half price last week because everybody was clamoring to get uh, Malcolm Brown, clamoring to get Naeem Hines, and some guys get overlooked. So, you know, if you're in a better position at running back, you could take advantage of, of what could be a feeding frenzy here on the waiver wire. Definitely true. And I actually have one recommendation that may be a proactive ad at running back, harder to come by in most leagues, but that's Miles Gaskin running back for the Miami Dolphins. He still hasn't hit that type of workload share that gets you excited about him in fantasy. Just 13 touches on Sunday, still splitting time with Jordan Howard, who had five carries, and Matt Breida, who had seven carries and two targets. 
But Gaskin is still showing the efficiency that you want to see from a potential productive player. He's averaging 5.7 yards per touch. That's 13th of the 51 running backs with 15 or more touches this season, a full yard ahead of Matt Breida and almost five full yards ahead of Jordan Howard. Not totally a fair fight. Howard is taking most of his carries in short yarded situations like near the goal line. But Gaskin is just so effective that I can't imagine that he doesn't end up getting a bigger piece of the share going forward. And if if you're looking for running backs and you can't get some of those guys that are really expensive on the waiver wire uh, with some of the big injuries that are happening, maybe grab Gaskin. Uh, You can maybe use him as a flex short term, but maybe three or four weeks from now, I could see him getting into that flex slash RB2 consideration, in particular in PPR leagues. He's already in the top five at the position with 11 targets this season through the first two weeks. Yeah, I think he's an interesting player. You know, really has been the best uh, of that bunch. It's not a huge surprise. I was anti-Jordan Howard sort of all along the way here. Mm-hmm. It just, there was no appeal to it. And and we're kind of seeing that. Sure, he'll score a touchdown, but he's putting up like Mike Allstott numbers now, essentially, which yeah. is not is not good in 2020 <laughs> fantasy football, that's for sure. And, you know, there's there's it's gonna be interesting to see what happens when they ultimately make that that switch over to Tua Tungavailoa as well. I set that same line of four and a half weeks. I I still think it's under. It's really kind of unprecedented for a team to take a quarterback that early and then get out of September still using their bridge quarterback. And I I don't think Fitzpatrick has done. Now he put up, he he hit his over on his player prop numbers this week, (laughs) but I don't know if he's done enough to, to fend off Tua. So it's going to be Tua time soon. And then, you know, the team is, is looking to the future for sure, but also playing for now. I got to give a lot of credit to just the team as a whole. This was a team that widely people said were going to tank last year. There is no tanking. In the NFL, I don't care who says there, there's two big myths, right? Big myth number one, p- NFL teams tank. No, they don't. <laughs> they do not. <laughs> big myth number two, the the worst team in the NFL will lose to and fill in the blank for the best college team. No, they will not. The worst <laughs> team in the NFL will mop the floor with the best college team. They will destroy the best college team. Remember that the worst player in the NFL is still in the freaking NFL, right? They are yeah. so good to be in that league. So anyway, back to this, though. I think that we're going to see, I agree with you, Miles Gaskin's role is going to improve uh, or is going to expand, and he's a pretty good football player. I'm actually happy to see that that he is hitting here because he kind of was quiet last year, but now we're getting him out there, and this is one of those guys that you, you know, again, proactive, like Scott says, you, you pick him up on the cheap, and then you see what you have, and hopefully by the time we get into November, you know, this is a guy who's touching the ball uh, 12 to 15 times a game and, and, and producing some plays for us. Absolutely. I love that. I have you riled up. This is fantastic. <laughs> so take us home with your third choice. Most interesting waiver pick for the week. Uh, folks who know me know that I'm usually never not riled up. <laughs> so just part of the brand, I suppose. But yeah, I think Dalton Schultz is interesting at tight end. I, I think you could drop Rob Ronkowski at this time. You know, I think yeah. if you're frustrated with Austin Hooper, you don't have to continue to roster him. We saw how Cincinnati or Cleveland wants to win football games against Cincinnati. That That's the script. It's throw a little bit and then run the football. Run, 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 run. And that means there may not be a lot of meat on the bone. Whereas Dallas, throw, throw, throw. And that was, that was an incredible game. But we didn't know exactly what to expect out of Dalton Schultz. And when he goes out, puts up double digit 
targets, you know, puts up a really solid stat line as well. He's going to be a factor. You know, this this maybe there was a lot of Blake Jarwin hype. I mean, this is maybe the that player, just not the same name. But for fantasy yeah. purposes, he could be the breakout tight end here that we were looking for in Dallas. So if I'm hurting at the position, I need a little bit of help. I certainly uh, think you could do a lot worse right now than Dalton Schultz. Totally agree. He had 70% of the team's offensive snap share in, in week two. So with Blake Jarwin out, it's kind of just naturally taking over that full workload. Kind of similar to what Jason Witten got back uh, the last couple of years when he was playing for the team. So yeah, probably a mid-tier tight end two for you and a guy available in a lot of leagues. I'm actually going to go a little bit deeper than that with my last choice. That's Drew Sample tied in for the Cincinnati Bengals, available in 99% or even more of leagues right now. To tell you the truth, uh, until he got hurt in week two, I didn't realize that C.J. Uzoma was kind of a must-own tight end too. Um, but he was getting a ton of work and was getting a lot of touchdown opportunities. Uzoma and Sample have combined for 1.86 opportunity just of receiving touchdowns the first two weeks. That's actually the most at the position. So getting a lot of red zone usage and getting a lot of targets in general, 21 with those two combined, second most of all tight end teammates in the NFL, well behind Philadelphia, but kind of in the mix with those other big tight end reliant teams like the Titans and the Giants. So, you know, I could see Drew Sample having a little bit of a breakout here. We probably saw him as more of a blocker than as um, like a receiving threat coming out of school. He's a bit of a surprise to be a second round pick, but he played 54 snaps versus just seven for third tight end, Kathan Carter on Sunday. So clearly getting a lot of that workload and with the Bengals poised to be behind a lot of games, but having a much better quarterback play from Joe Burrow than they had last season, I could see a lot of garbage time potential here for sample, maybe floating them into the tight end two range and available on the cheap. If you can't get some of the more expensive tight ends, like, you know, your John o. Smith's of the world. I think that's very interesting. I don't expect to see 61 passing attempts out of, I hope not <laughs> no, to see that average. again. <laughs> Out of Joe Burrow, but, you know, still like a normal workload. Hey, he was obviously very friendly to his tight ends at LSU and Thaddeus Moss and Stephen Sullivan. I mean, call Stephen Sullivan a wide out, call him a tight end, whatever you want to call him. But Burrow, I, I'm impressed. The, the The opener wasn't what I, you know, was what I was hoping to see for most of the game. But I tell you what, at the very end there, when he led that team down, you know, AJ, if AJ doesn't push off, I mean, the ball was perfectly delivered. AJ caught it, obviously, wow. but Burrow had that just cool as a cucumber down the end. And I was, I, you know, just the look, it, it's, it's not something that's going to show up in the box score. And then, of course, being able to put up this, this monster stat line for fantasy that that's helpful. It, may, it wasn't again, wasn't maybe the best football performance, but. You know, when you're running for your life like that, you do what you can. But I do think that there is something here for Drew Sample, another player who, if you're hurting at tight end, there is going to be opportunity in that offense. This is not an Andy Dalton offense anymore. So there is more opportunity there. Uh, It just stinks that CJ goes down and, you know, has has a good game working here and really looked like he was going to be in the midst of a a big breakout year for fantasy. Yeah, I hate it for him, but. I guess the Bengals in general, I'm feeling a lot more optimistic than I was. I mean, there was real disaster potential here with the team, given their poor pass protection. But like you said, Burrow looks very comfortable in the pocket and not he's not really being affected by the pressure the way that a lot of rookie quarterbacks and even, frankly, veteran quarterbacks can get affected by it. And so that's good news for the healthy fantasy receivers on the team. 
Okay, I think that's going to wrap up our, our episode of the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast for today. Jeff, thanks so much for joining. Can you tell all of our listeners where they can both read your work and then hear you on the radio and, and on television? Yeah, sure. So over at ftnfantasy.com is where you get the rankings, the projections, the writing, all that fun stuff, at Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter. Uh, and you can listen to me daily, well, not daily, but weekdays, 10 to noon Eastern, on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio, Sirius 210 XM 87, and then on Sunday mornings, 8 to noon Eastern, CBS Sports Network, that other pregame show. We have fantasy on an NFL pregame show. How novel. Uh, but it is, it's a great show. If I wasn't on it, I'd be watching it. It's what everybody needs to know before before the games, who's going to get the boost for the guys being injured and everything else. So mm-hmm. everybody check out that. Check out all of Jeff's great work at FTN Fantasy and otherwise. And then swing back on Friday to listen to all of my DFS recommendations on the podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you then. Mm-hmm.